Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by the one and only Mr. Gundacker himself. And we are here to tackle a really excellent Friday, March 11th slate, 10 games. Fired up, Gundacker. How are you, sir? You doing well? You're, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying life today. We got baseball back. We had uh, entertaining two two games. Even the, the blowout for once was entertaining, thanks to the uh, the, the the crowd heroics and the uh, I don't know Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant is inspired, I don't think there's many people on this planet that can keep up. Incredible. Yeah, it's great, and we got baseball back, like you mentioned. That's awesome to hear. April seventh, we're kicking that off, or for throwing out the first pitch, whatever we want to say there. So. Fun stuff, good stuff for the DFS world, keeps us motoring and busy. Um, so great to have you with us. We're going to go through this uh, slate. We're going to try to keep it short enough that everybody can catch it, get their early lineup set, contest, get everything set in there and ready to go for a good day. We both got busy days going throughout. Um, certainly you can join us here at Coach Talk. Co ugh, say it, Coach Talk, easy for me to say. Go to DFSCoachTalk.com. Uh, you can sign up there. We have as little as a three-day pass for 10 bucks. You can join us uh, tonight, today. Get that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We got all of our uh, PGA action uh, with the Awesome Players Championship going. And then, obviously, tons of NBA action. Big slate, a Friday at 10 games. They followed up with seven games on Saturday. So we got all kinds of action, uh, Gun. So let's get at it, man. No messing around here. No reason to have to go too deep into the pleasantries because we're ready to make some money, get some winners to our people. That's what we're about. So we've got one 7 o'clock game. And again, DraftKings and FanDuel have the full 10-game slate. Yahoo, only nine games on Fridays. They like to skip that first game when it's a single and uh, just to, to get everybody up to speed with that. So the first game on the slate, Minnesota against Orlando. We have Minnesota favored by seven, a big fat 233. Very, very interesting game, but we do need some news, Gun. Anthony Edwards and Jaron Vanderbilt, <clears throat> along with Torian Prince and Jordan McLaughlin, all four questionable. So that affects that rotation a lot. So hopefully we'll get uh, that news. We know we will before lock uh, for uh, the slate because it's the first game. Only Jonathan Isaac remains out for Orlando. Uh, game set-wise, first night of a back-to-back -back for Minnesota. Island game for Orlando. Two very fast teams, second and tenth in pace. Minnesota's been just buzzing up and down the floor the last few weeks. They've really been playing at the fastest pace even faster than number one Houston, but they're both, uh, you know, get up and down the court, a little Olay defense, and then get back down there and score. Defensively, Minnesota's actually been decent. They're 12th in defensive efficiency, Orlando down at 21. So the big question here, Gunn, is how many guys in this early game are too many, or can we stack up a few guys? What do you think? Yeah, on the T-Wolf side, it will be news contingent, right? If Anthony Edwards doesn't go, uh, it's certainly going to boost interest in D'Angelo Russell and Carly Towns in terms of their floor and ceiling uh, outcomes. And on 
dangle they're so low priced considering their ceilings uh that, that you can almost play them together and maybe even get to a third depending on jared vanderbilt's status and, and kind of go from there it wouldn't be crazy to see a 30 fantasy point game at a 4900 uh patrick beverly so i do think i can get up to three of the t walls uh but that is going to be heavily news contingent conveniently for us first game on the slate the only uh, game at that uh uh, 7 p.m. time slot, so well, we should have plenty of time to make uh, our decisions there. Uh, on the Magic side, it definitely gets a little bit more uh, blurry. Uh, this is a team that, out of, uh, outside of Jonathan Isaac, who's um, been injured for you know over a year, they're pretty yeah. healthy. They're working Markel Fultz back in uh, probably 15, 17 minutes at, at most out of him, and then they still have to uh, tend to some of their, their, their veteran guys off of the bench, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, uh, RJ Hampton, uh, can, can be involved here. Uh, so I, I am a little less confident in the minute minute projections that I have on the starters for uh, Orlando. Uh, and it's also uh, a spot where we got to have a little bit of confidence in Orlando to uh, even stay competitive because uh, Minnesota has a tendency to run uh, teams off their court. Their offense has been really, really good, coinciding with this uh, fast-paced style of play that they've been uh, daring other teams to keep up and score more than them. And, and so far, many teams have not. And Orlando has been one of the teams with that lack in the offensive efficiency category. So there's plenty of pessimism about uh, uh, the Magic starters from a short entry or 20 entry uh, uh, standpoint on a 10-game slate. But in multi-mass entry, there's 50-plus fantasy points um, that, that's viable in, in, uh, uh, in guys like Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, uh, but that would strictly be MME plays with uh, T-Wolves being a team I can gravitate towards a little bit more uh, in the short entry, especially uh, if we got some news uh, like Anthony Edwards being out. And if Anthony Edwards did play, he becomes a play at 6400 on FanDuel. That's a $1,400 discount to a $7,700 uh, DraftKings price. So uh, even more uh, potential to stack the T-Wolves here. And you can make a case that you could you could get to all three T Wolves um, at their FanDuel prices today, but it seems like an uh, outlier or outlandish expectation to get all three with a tournament optimal uh, result uh, in a ten game slate, uh, especially would neutralize a lot of your late swap uh, potential. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm with you. I think this game's a great game. I want definite exposure here. You know, big slates like this, I generally don't stack up too much. But, you know, if the price is right and the matchup's right, you know, you, you definitely can look at some some potential here. So I think it's uh, it's a game I definitely like uh, some guys on both sides. I think the backcourt for Orlando with Anthony and Suggs are both underpriced for the, uh, a strong pace-up game like this. So they're both in play for me. And then – I need the news on the Minnesota side. I'm, you know, I'm hoping Edwards and Vanderbilt sit because, you know, that really makes Carl uh, Anthony Towns much more playable to me. It also brings, uh, you know, a couple of these other guys in play. D'Angelo Russell would be a, a terrific play. And, you know, I, I think it would be hard to get away uh, even from a Jaden McDaniels in a situation like that. So uh, let's, you know, we'll have that news certainly before lock and some of these guys, uh, I could see myself with as much as, as 2v2, which is very unusual for me, but I like the pace, I like the game set, and I think this is going to be a good one uh, to have some exposure to. So hopefully early on, Gun, we'll see the Gundacker and Coach Talk uh, symbols up there at the top of the board. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd rather be later on. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, maybe both. That's what I'm trying to say. Both. Yeah. All right, we've got two 7.30 games, man. This one's not as much fun for me, but we'll see if you have anybody uh, that stands out to you in this one. Uh, the first 7.30 games, the Clippers and Hawks. Um, we've got uh, Atlanta favored by six. It's a 228.5 total, so not bad at all. Uh, no injuries at all for Atlanta, which is unusual to see, uh, but it is getting more and more common, thank goodness, uh, post-COVID stuff. But for the Clippers, Covington joins their list of out guys with George, Leonard, Powell, and Preston. So this game uh, really, I don't know, man. I just don't like the feel of it for that decent total that it does have. You've got two teams below average in pace at 18 and 21. You do have a decent defensive team in the Clippers that have maintained that top 10 throughout the season, even without their studs, you know, Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard, they're eighth. But Atlanta's defense does really struggle. They're 27th and just have not been able to put the pieces together defensively. But their rotation is a lot bigger. So do you like anybody here, uh, Gunn? Because I just looked at this game wanting to try to find some guys that I liked, and I just could not feel comfortable. Yeah, like, like would be a stretch. Uh, obviously, Trey Young would probably be the first guy – uh, off the bench for me if I had to uh, line everybody up in the gym. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I would draft Trey Young. Uh, I think he has the highest ceiling, uh, it, not only in this game, but, you know, he does have a range of outcomes where he's one of the highest scorers on the slate. So you, that dog will hunt if he gets there, around 10K on both Fandle and DK. Past that, it's pretty wide open. The Hawks having a clean sheet of uh, injuries, uh, kind of like the, the Magic here. They can be pretty, um, uh, pretty wide in the rotation, uh, guys off the bench, guys like Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeLon Wright, Okong, yeah. who's been playing some center minutes and, um, you know, eating at the Capella, maybe, maybe Collins extra minutes. So it, it can get pretty, uh, pretty diverse pretty quickly. And a 10 game slate, we do like to prioritize minute projections because there's going to be plenty of minutes to be played tonight and probably some safer and softer landing spots. Uh, but Trey Young's at the top here. Uh, if you told me John Collins uh, was likely uh, to play over 30 minutes than under 30 minutes, I would say this is one of the cheaper price points we've seen on him on both Fandle and DK. Uh, and right now I put him at 28 minutes. I might tweak that tomorrow tighten the, or later today, tighten the, the screws a little bit, get to about 30 fantasy point projection, uh, and maybe even grow from there. Uh, but uh, it's it past trade on life is a, a tough word. Reggie Jackson would probably be the – Guy in the Clippers, I would have uh, with the highest floor to ceiling ratio. It's coming off a 30 real point game. We know he's going to likely lead the team in usage whenever he's on the court. Uh, with the Hawks and their inequities on defense and their uh, what, bottom five defensive rating, there's yeah. definitely a uh, path to success against them in terms of fantasy points. And it has been through the point guard position. So Reggie could. Uh, find some holes in that in, in that already bad defense and on the season that's been with opposing point guards. We do uh, not feel warm and fuzzy on an 8-4 price tag on a 10-game slate. Uh, but if he starts you off with 30 real points, maybe uh, maybe crazier things have happened. But uh, past that, you know, we talked about Marcus Morris. We know Robert Covington, you know, maybe he's stretching out to 30-plus minutes. Uh, but how often are we going to get truly can't-miss outcomes uh, from guys like Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, 
yeah, Terrence Mann can pop here and there, but you know, you throw Luke Kennard in the mix, Amir Coffee. There's it, it becomes a uh, just a, a yeah, tough to predict, and, and they've been very variable game to game. So I'm probably not going to get to a lot of Clippers with the high level of confidence, and then you can probably get me in the streets with a little bit of Trey Young and hope that uh, the bulk of uh, the rest of the slate's going to soak up a lot more of my personal ownership. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I this game, I feel like I I would should have more interest, but you know, I'm I am so sick and tired of these Clippers. You know, it's unbelievable what terrible games they'll throw in. You know, Coffee, Batum, Kennard, man. I mean, you you take a shot on these guys and they just completely, uh, you know, do nothing. So it's I have zero trust in those guys. I think Jackson's a little pricey. Uh, that's the only thing that bothers me there. You know, if I went to anybody, Gun, I'd go Marcus Morris just because I think his price is very fair, and he does produce generally when he gets the minutes. So, you know, he'd be the guy I'd lean towards that side, but I am not fired up about the Clippers. Trey Young is certainly very playable. You know, the, his price at 10-1, very fair. You know, he certainly could uh, have a monster game if it stays close throughout. Uh, but I do respect the Clippers D. It's it's you know again it's been top ten uh, all season for a reason. So just not a hundred percent sold, but I could see Young sneaking in there. But you bring up a good point on John Collins. I've got him down for thirty one minutes in my projection model, which makes him very playable at that price. I think he's mispriced because he missed a series of like three games there or whatever. I think it just the price hasn't caught up yet. But if he does get north of 30 minutes at that price, uh, he could definitely make make a lineup or two for me for sure. All right, man. Second 7.30 game. We're going to dive right in. We're keeping this train moving. Uh, we've got the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. This, you know, screams of blowout potential. And go ahead, yell at your phones, computers, whatever. Coach, quit pre- you know, predicting blowouts. Well, you know, I'm a game scripter, and I got to call him like I see him, and I do not like when my guys sit the whole fourth quarter gun. It pisses me off. So I'm scared of this game. It's, uh, you know, big spread Boston by two touchdowns, 216 total. When do you, you know, DFS-wise, you see that big of a total with that small, I'm sorry, that big of a spread with that small of a total, I generally want to run the other way. Um, I Detroit's 13th in pace, Boston 23rd. So that doesn't excite me. Detroit's defense does stink. They're 25th, but Boston's is shut down. They're number two in the entire league. So man, I'll tell you, I'm, I am very hesitant to go anywhere with this game. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. The Celtics defense is definitely a problem. Uh, while the rest of the league, uh, has, has kind of created and followed this path to win by scoring 130, the Celtics have really uh, been going against the green and, and exercising full-on team defense uh, and, you know, exchanging a Schroeder for a Derek White. It's just in almost a robbery for, for their uh, for their style of play. So uh, against yeah. a team like the Pistons that on the season have been one of the worst offensive collectively, certainly feels like we should uh, agree with this game being more lopsided than not. Which is unfortunate because some, uh, you know, unlike some of these two prior games we've already discussed that have high totals, but we don't feel great about their minute projections. These are two teams that we can probably get pretty solid minute projections on. Yeah. Uh, but now we have to wrestle with does it stay close or not? 
Uh, and, I, you know, more often than not, I feel like you simulate this game, the Celtics are putting away uh, the Pistons pr pretty handily. Uh, if we did, you know, g give the Celtics a little play down uh, case of the, the, the Fridays, um, I think Tatum and Brown are the two guys I chased for ceiling uh, since February 1st of this year. Jalen Brown has had a 28% overall usage rate. Jason Tatum, 32%. Both those guys over a point per minute with Tatum being 1.3 fancy points per minute. And then Marcus Smart, Smart's been right about uh, a fancy point per minute with a 26% assist rate. So maybe we keep Marcus Smart in mind for uh, some price picks assist prompt if, if it starts low, but uh, I'm in agreement with you, uh, and uh, it would be hashtag DFS. You know, the other night, Isaiah Stewart got injured. He's going to miss some time, uh, and, and like I said, they're without uh, a couple guys like Handiallo, Frank Jackson, Killian Hayes that elongates the, the, the minute projection for these Pistons starters that, you know, in a different setting would make me want to uh, target them for 35 minutes uh, a piece. Uh, but, right. man, 35 minutes against the Boston Celtics doesn't really sound that lucrative to me, so – uh, I'll probably get some dabs of, of some, some Celtics here. Not run into the Pistons, but I, it would be hashtag DFS for Marvin Bagley to blow up this game after uh, his big foul uh, trouble the other night as a chalky uh, starting center. Uh, yep. Bagley never disappoints DFS players, does he? <laughs> Bag alert. Yeah, I don't know. But there you the Pistons go. Are, are kind of just like a, a – a bunch of usage guys that could intertwine night to night. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, the price-wise, I'm not seeing a ton of ceiling individually uh, on 6Ks, 5Ks, and the K Cunningham 8Ks. Uh, the right. guy that maybe maybe would be like a crazy stretch in like a smaller slate, Corey Joseph might have an opportunity for 30-plus minutes because of no Killian Hayes, Handiala, right. or guys like that. But he's never really a high-motor guy anyway in terms of Permanent production and in this uh, setting, he's probably going to be last on the team in permanent production. Uh, but yeah, that's a different slate and a different timeline. Probably not exactly. Tonight. That's exactly the way I see it. And with Diallo, Hayes, Jackson, Magruder out, that's four guard rotations. So it, it makes you want to play Cunningham. It makes mm -hmm. you want to think about Joseph, you know, because of just the minutes and and you know. But then you look at that Boston defense, man, and it's Marcus Smarting. Brown and Tatum, the company, and the way they're playing, man, it's it's a huge risk. But, you know, I can understand. I wouldn't argue with anybody from going, you know, with going with one of the Detroit backcourt guys or with Bagley again. I get it. I mean, there's Stewart is out. So, you know, you can go there, but you got to really you're you're rolling the dice because, you know, you don't know how how soon this blows out if it, you know, in what you know, effect that's going to have, but I guess, you know, a small interest in Cunningham, you know, if you're playing a bunch of GPPs, you could get a, a ceiling game from Corey Joseph. He's had 40 some fantasy points in the past. I mean, he could be a 10 X guy or he could do, you know, 10 points for you. So it's uh it's a risky proposition, but you know, with those guys out, it is, it is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I like your point on Marcus Smart. You know, I think everybody was thinking, well, Derek White, when he came to town in that trade at the All-Star uh, break there, uh, that Smart would lose some minutes. I think it lit a little flame for Marcus saying, you know, wait just a minute here. I'm I'm the, the starting guy. And he has played better. But I don't know. I don't see myself getting up to the Brown-Tatum duo either way. I know they're both awesome, but you know, they take from each other and I don't think they'll get full minutes here. So 
I'm not, I don't have a lot of interest in this one. Uh, I am going to be tempted, I guarantee you, as the day goes on, though, for, for a Cade Cunningham uh, play. But talk me off the cliff on that one. Uh, is Cade Cunningham a bad play, or am I starting to uh, lean the wrong direction? No, nah, I, mean, I mean, sometimes game surprises you. Sometimes teams will sleep on a, 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 a team that they're supposed to completely destroy. And if there is a guy that's likely going to lead uh, the team in use, this is a guy like Cade Cunningham. Um, one, I was looking up fouls for 36 yesterday. Kate Cunningham is up there um, when it comes yeah. to getting in foul trouble. So if he did cross pass with like a Jalen Brown a little bit, uh, maybe uh, uh, that would be a, a way we could talk ourselves off of that ledge. You know, you look at his last two games, he's gotten a hit to 5,000. Um, I, I, I think I just let the Celtics defense push me towards another near AK guy uh, being a better play on a 10 game slate. Um, but uh, I, I understand why we would want to. Heck, I, I, in my mind, I'm even thinking some revenge Kelly Olenek under 5K if uh, Bagley wants to repeat some foul trouble or if we do get that garbage fourth quarter and Olenek goes out there and uh, just goes lights out. And he can do it. We've seen Kelly O do it, step up. I'm sure he'll get a little bit of ownership here and there. People love Kelly O and DFS, you know? It's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, that one is a tough one, but let's let's dive into these eight o'clock games. We have four of them, so let's get the ball rolling here. Charlotte Hornets, New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. Interesting game. It is a one and a half point Charlotte score uh, or favoritism here. So that that makes you interested. Nice two twenty nine and a half total. This game looks pretty juicy to me. I'm I'm pretty fired up about this one right off the bat. Uh, we've got uh, Jay, uh, the other McDaniels brother. He is probable, Jalen McDaniels. And then Book Knight and Hayward out for Charlotte. Ingram, McCollum, Nance, and Cheeseburgers. Williamson, my buddy, still out. Hopefully he's off the burgers and getting ready to come back because the Pels are playing some ball. We've got Charlotte, the third pace in the lead. We know they're flying up and down. Pelicans have been playing just good, solid ball. They're not playing super fast. They're 22nd. And then both of these teams have struggled defensively. Pels have improved since the McCollum trade and everything settling in there, playing the two bigs with Hayes and Valachunas has helped them uh, in the paint. But, you know, defensively, again, Charlotte 23rd, Pelicans 20th. Lots of interest here in this game. A lot of salaries that make sense. Uh, man, this I like this game. What do you think so far here? Are you zoning in on this one? Uh, I'm kind of surprised that the Hornets are only one-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I, I know that the Pelicans have been playing better lately, but it's been completely because Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum have been you know, uh, just unstoppable collectively. Uh, right. You take those two out of the mix. This is a whole different team in terms of who's scoring and who's setting up uh, uh, assists. Now you're hoping Devontae Graham and Jonas Valanciunas uh, and Herbert Jones and Jackson Hayes and Tony Snell <laughs> can kind of yeah, keep what, up. What a stunner, though, for Pels fans with Ingram and McCollum out, though. I mean, isn't yeah. that crazy? It's not, it's it's completely unfortunate, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just if I was setting the lines here, and I know the Hornets have been in a skid lately. Kyrie Irving essentially beat them almost single-handedly uh, in that last outing. But, man, this is a okay. high – you know. But, and, and then now that we have a little bit more sample, you know, Kyrie and KD going into Philly uh, last night, doing what they did, this 
the Pelicans. The Pelicans are not the Nets. So maybe this one and a half point spread is a little too generous for, for Pelicans sake, unless uh, Vegas has some intel that I'm missing out on. Um, but I bet you this it, line goes off at about four. I, yeah, I definitely would assume some movement. Uh, yeah. what, what I would say is we start next man upping, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, me and my boy Josh, we got a thing called Narrative Friday. Uh, Devontae Graham now gets an opportunity to lead this Pelicans team, uh, probably against his former team, the Charlotte Hornets. That's right. He's really cheap on both sides, 4,300. Uh, so could we get to a, you know, vintage 30 fantasy point game? A lot of implied value here in a very soft matchup, uh, on paper in terms of fantasy, uh, viability. Uh, up against the Charlotte Hornets. And then Jonas Valanciunas is probably going to have north of 30% uh, usage rate against this Hornets front court. Uh, when you look at uh, DVP and let uh, you know most fantasy points allow tell the story from position by position, Charlotte Hornets have clearly been the most susceptible to big games from opposing centers all year. So now if you take right. Ingram and, and McCollum out of the mix, a, a sub AKHA Val, you know, it wasn't that long ago this year, this season, where AKHA Val was uh, – um, was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can certainly look his way for 50 fantasy points, and if not more tonight, uh, if we're going to buy into this game being super competitive at, at a one-point spread. Uh, so Devontae Graham and Jay Bell both stand out to me uh, from, from them. And then on the Hornets side, uh, it's pretty wide open. LaMelo Ball is getting to a dangerous price on Fando. It's been dangerous really the last couple of slates, and it really hasn't gone all that well for me. I, I did get the brunt of an eight-minute four-foul performance uh, uh, that was unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> not, not what you want. Uh, but no. in this spot, you know, we, we start putting them in spots where we expect games to be a little bit more competitive. Maybe the 30 minutes turns into 33 minutes. But uh, by hook or by crook, seems like game to game. He's not always built in for 35, 36 minutes. Uh, but sometimes if he's having a cleaner game, a stronger game, they'll leave him out there a little bit longer, a little bit stronger. Him, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, all these guys have grown to a price point where I don't believe they gel, coincide all that smoothly, uh, even introducing guys like Kelly Oubre and Montrose Harrell. So I do set some player groups and correlations in my uh, optimizer. Yeah. Uh, and it usually just w- will be something like LaMelo Ball, Rosier, Bridges in a group. Never use more than two of these guys because I still want up to three Hornets usually game to game, but it doesn't really correlate well to, to expect all three of those guys to have ceiling output. So I'll probably have a similar type of role to follow today, uh, putting X amount of guys in – capping X of this group in this group. So it does sound like a good game to target. I'm pessimistic on the Pelicans' potential to keep it close, but Vegas knows more than Gundacker, uh, and I'll let the, the salaries of Devontae Graham and Jonas Valanciunas really fill up a lot of my uh, uh, lineups. And I would assume, Coach, that Devontae Graham's going to pick up a lot of ownership and so is Val. So this might be two of the more trendy approaches on a 10-game slate, and maybe it would be a little lucrative to go the opposite way because of how many options there are. Um, right. Sometimes ownership does get coagulated and in the obvious spots and the spots that are a little less obvious tend to go overlooked. Um, hence, Jokic, 30% owned last night on the two games late, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But pre-flop, it looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a little nervous on the Devontae Graham call, and I think he's going to get a lot of ownership, but I they love that Jose Alvarado kid. I remember... Yeah. The, the pod that the, the first podcast we did, I think, was like Alvarado's first game that he was going to get get in there. And you were giving him some praise. And uh, I, I thought he played terrific. So I'm just concerned 
that that they you know split minutes a little bit. That's my only thing. But I do think uh, Graham will be you know fairly popular. But Alvarado might be a sneaky little play too. Um, I agree with you on Joe Val. I think he'll be sort of chalky because he's you know all of his numbers are going to jump way up. But the fear with him always is foul trouble. You know, and he is one of the leaders in committing offensive fouls because he's going to bully in there. And uh, the Hornets are athletic inside. They're going to, you know, have a real aggressive uh, Plumley banging up against them. Um, and, you know, I just wish I could feel more comfortable. I, I do think Joe Val's a good play. And, but if he's super chalky, I may uh, go, uh, you know, different spot. Jackson Hayes is actually a decent play at his price. I think, uh, you know, he should see a little increase in usage with, you know, the, the two main guys from the team being out. One guy I'll say not to play, though, please don't play Tony Snell if you're listening. <laughs> do not do it. I know he's probably going to knock down three or four threes, whatever, but you're not a Tony Snell guy, are you, Gunn? Are there Tony Snell guys? I mean, I guess there has to be. He's in the league and he's been in the league. Um, oh. But, yeah, well, uh, he almost had a, another Tony Snell game. I know you, you know he's more, pretty famous for famous. Like 30, 30 minutes, no peripheral, no stats. Zero. Well, yeah. Against Orlando, his only accrued stat outside of two steals was one rebound. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he tends to, to, to just go out there and get some cardio in, which helps us narrow down uh, opposing uh, usage, uh, but his yeah. uh, his redeeming quality is chucking some three. So now that we've said that against a soft matchup like the Charlotte, oh, he's, so, he's probably going to set like a three point record now that we're killing him. But <laughs> you can have him. I hope people play him because I'm not going to play him. But you know, Herb Jones is another guy I've loved. Herb, you know, and he, you know, when they had all those guys out, he was really like the second option some games, and he came through as a rookie. But, you know, he's shifted way down the list now with, obviously, McCollum and Ingram when he, you know, being healthy and being back. But Herb's not a bad punt either. He could have, he certainly could put up a 7-8x game easily. So definitely uh, going to consider some of the Pell side. But, I, you know, I am super tempted to take LaMelo Ball because here's the thing. I agree with you. The price is a little too high. There is some risk. People still, a ton of people got burned by that insane eight-minute game with all the fouls. But I think this this is a perfect situation for him to just have one of his ballistic kind of games. I don't I don't think Graham or Alvarado are a good defensive matchup for him at all. I like the pace in this game. I just and and I think because he's so expensive and has drifted up, I think his ownership will stay somewhat lower than than uh it, it normally has been so i'm very tempted by him i i think he he could be one of my pay up guys if you will uh that fits this very well and i wouldn't mind going with a second hornet here either uh rogier being a little expensive but i'd go more towards either miles bridges or or even a value play in pj washington pj only five two on DraftKings. he's been getting monster minutes since he's been inserted in, inserted in that uh, starting lineup the last couple of weeks. And he generally produces. Now, he's another guy that can get in foul trouble, but he's going to be a little quick for Jackson Hayes. I mean, remember, they played those two centers. P.J. can go out there and knock down a bunch of threes when he gets hot. 
So I think he might be a good guy to look at there. Um, you know, and then they do have Harold and Oubre off the bench, but I think, you know, Ball and Washington are my initial uh, targets here, I believe. And then coming back, you know, get a little play on the other side with the Pels here, either pay up to Joe Val or go, go the, uh, you know, the cheap route with the Jones or Hayes. But I definitely want exposure in this one, uh, a gun. Yeah, this, this definitely could be one of the games I target for stack stackability. And I do think three Pelicans can get optimal. Uh, you mentioned Herbert Jones, the uh, people that just look at the recent games and just focus on minutes played. Uh, they may not put context to it. First of all, like I said, you can't overstress the fact there's no Ingram and no C.J. McCollum. Uh, but Herbert Jones was the victim of fouling out uh, in, in less than 30 minutes last game. And then the game prior yeah. against the Grizzlies, they lost the fourth quarter. So it's very reasonable to suspect Herbert Jones is likely – in line for 33-plus minutes should the game stay competitive. And looking ahead to uh, the way this lineup shakes out, I would not be surprised if Jones was second or third in shot attempts uh, and against yeah. Charlotte Hornets. That, that could definitely be fruitful at under 5K on both Vandal and DraftKings. So uh, I, I currently have him projected for over 30 fantasy points on both sites, and that's huge at that price. And I have him in 38 minutes. I might be a little bit crazy over the top there, but I – they, I mean, he's their best perimeter defender, too. I think he's going to get the minutes. Yeah, I agree. And just got to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, hopefully. This next game is really a head-scratcher for me. And it's, you know, you know, with Dirk and being a Mavs fan, and they got absolutely waxed last game. And then yesterday being in Houston, watching that incredible game against the Lakers, where they dropped 19 in overtime. You don't see that very often. Uh, the place was going nuts. I'll tell you, Houston is fired up for this team, and they're, they're 17 and 49, but I think they're seeing you know, the hope here with, with Jalen Green especially and Porter, all these young guys. Christopher played great. Uh, they, you know, they, they are heading in the right direction, which is the first time I think I've said that about Houston – in uh, you know a couple two three years, so uh, it was interesting to see. But what a dichotomy of of trying to figure this game out. So we've got the Mavericks in Houston. Mavericks are favored by eleven on the road after getting absolutely waxed. It's a two twenty five and a half total. You've got uh, a probable tag on Mr. Jalen Brunson. I read he's going to play. Uh, the big one, though, is questionable on Dorian Finney-Smith, which is the, the glue defensive guy for Dallas. So we need to follow that one. And then uh, you've got doubtful on Nidalekina, out Chris Hardaway and Pinson. They've been out. For Houston, you've got another questionable tag on Dennis Schroeder. He did play yesterday, though. Jay Sean Tate missed the game and Christian Wood missed the game. They're both questionable. So we have a lot of things to figure out here and you know news that we need groove and wall i always say those guys every day they waste uh 30 seconds of my life by saying groove and wall are out but that's it's a tradition now so figure this one out i'm so glad you're on here with me because i don't know what to think dallas is the slowest team in the league they're 30th houston the fastest team in the league so you know okay luca dial up luca i guess but you know dallas is sixth in defense and Houston dead last. So is it Luca or bust? Is that how you start every lineup or am I seeing something wrong here? I don't know. This, this is a tough one to figure for me. 
Yeah, in my early projections, I have Luca leading the entire slate in fantasy points. And if you're going to lead the entire slate, uh, a 10-game slate fantasy points, it's likely going to be enough value to where we can uh, give credence to those raw points. Uh, I'm right up there with LeBron James, uh, a little bit above Jason Tatum, and mentioned actually a lot, almost 10 points above Tatum. LeBron and then Luca are like 10 points above everyone else for me in my first run. So, yes, I want exposure to uh, Luca, who very much could drop 60, 70 plus fantasy yeah. points. How, how chalky, though, uh, Gun? So, I think on FanDuel, it's going to be immensely chalky, 10.7. On DraftKings, I think it's going to uh, come down to what value pieces do open up. We already discussed the Pelicans as right. a likely source of. Uh, chalk value with several guys under 5K against the Hornets with you know a high pace, a high total. So probably going to catch some ownership. Uh, maybe the 10 game slate uh, dilutes it a little bit. So you know we we're probably thinking 30, 40 percent, but maybe it goes down to 20, 25. I think it does end up being Luca versus LeBron in terms of uh, highest ownership in the stud department. Um, right. But Luca, Luca against the Houston Rockets. I mean. You, you, you'll be wearing some egg on your face at the end of the night if you miss out on Luka and the Houston Rockets uh, and Luka drops, you know, 80-plus. So uh, I, I think it comes down to expecting this game to stay competitive. Uh, it's 11-point spread to start the party. Does it go – does it widen as we go? You did mention DFS. His defense should be um, mentioned. I, I think uh, yeah. you know, he, he might get uh, laughed at because, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot. Um, to, to be noticed from a DFS fantasy point uh, uh, standpoint. But defensively, right. he plays a big role in uh, slowing some stuff down and, and guarding that perimeter. So if his if he were to be absent, it certainly would be uh, notable. But uh, getting Brunson in there, getting Luka in there, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's been a great scorer, Davis Bertans, uh, they have some buckets in that lineup that can widen the gap. Uh, Houston being competitive with the Lakers really doesn't mean what we thought it might mean You know, four months ago. So um, I can't really overvalue that game. Uh, and, you know, they did that without uh, Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate. They get those guys back in the mix. The Rockets become really, really hard to uh, read if we lose one or the other and we, you know, get an opportunity to play Chingun a little bit more. Yeah, sign yeah. me up for that. But he's earned a new price point, 5200 off the Angels, 6200 on DK. So the Rockets are certainly the, the more volatile side to predict. Like we know we're going to get the Mavericks. It's likely Luka and move on. Um, but yeah, this is this is ultimate fire and ice, unstoppable force, immovable object. Two teams that really couldn't be more opposite if you tried yeah. in terms of how they play basketball. Um, exactly. I would just say we're keeping an eye on the spread uh, throughout the day. Uh, but Luca on Fanduel, I, I don't think there's going to be many ways to get away from that, uh, especially with uh, you know multi-position eligibility. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I I mean I I love Luca in this game, and I just I don't see. You know, coming off that loss, too, he's going to be ticked off. Houston, all that emotion in that Lakers game. It just I, – I don't know who they're going to – how they're going to stop him. I mean, Jay Sean Tate, you know, agitates him a little bit sometimes, but he's questionable, so – and he missed the last one. But we'll see. I, I think Luca, you just got to lock him in. I, I, I've got to say it. There's my lock washer. I know he's <laughs> – you know, no hot take. He's a million bucks, but – He's my lock washer. I mean, he's it just fits perfectly. I and even as a chalk blocker, especially on FanDuel. I mean, you know, if he like you said, if if he drops 75, 80 and you don't have him, you know, good luck catching up. 
Uh, so I feel comfortable there. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not thrilled about the rest of the Dallas options, though. I think Dinwiddie's priced and Brunson are priced a little high for the fact that they're now splitting uh, some of that that usage that sort of really took the luster off Brunson when Dinwiddie joined the gang. Bullock hasn't been able to drop it in the lake, so I wouldn't touch him. And, you know, all those other guys are just bit pieces. I mean, it's really coming down to just Luca and just not a whole lot more for this club. But uh, as far as the Houston side goes, it's strictly completely newsworthy for me. <laughs> if Christian Wood sits again, gun, I'm going to play Jengun. I don't care that he's up to 6-2 because he can play. And yeah. the Mavs don't stop bigs very well. And he's the kind of big that muscles in and, you know, double, 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 you know, bonus in the bag. But if, if Wood plays that, that spoils the whole uh, strategy there. Cause obviously that's going to take a lot away from him. but uh, I'll tell you what, I have been so impressed and I've said it on for about the last week, Jalen green, man. Yes. Oh, he has mm-hmm. decided this is his team. And it was interesting walking into the, the Rockets game last night. It was sold out, and you had about literally 50% Lakers jerseys and 50% Rockets jerseys. But what shocked me is I had no idea because I'm, I'm a little bit more out of touch with the Houston market You know, as far as being there. A lot of the jerseys were Jalen Green jerseys. So even though not many people have heard that much about him, yeah, he was a second pick and all that. But they are really behind this guy. And something happened about five, six games ago. The light switch turned. And you could just see, he, you know, he said, this is my team. And he is the alpha now on that squad. He is Porter even, you know, was giving the ball up to him, which I, I think was a struggle. Those two trying to position who was going to be the main guy uh, for most of the season. You know, and Gordon certainly has succumbed to – to letting green go. So until his price fully adjusts, I'm going to keep playing the dude. I, I know Dallas's defense is really good, but this kid is playing with a confidence level right now. Uh, and coming off a game like that, where he hit all those shot, shots to beat the Lakers, uh, I'm going to ride that train until he's priced out. So, uh, you know, Luca followed up on the other side, hopefully woods out with Shen Goon. And uh, I'm going to take that Jalen Green bus all the way to green money-wise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Green's definitely – I know they have most improved player award year over year, but if they've had a first half to second half improved player on the second side of the All-Star break, Jalen Green definitely has uh, his name in, in the hat in consideration. Um, but, yeah, Houston has just been a, a team that we can target – a lot. I would also keep one nugget in the back of your mind here, and that's going to be um, Dwight Powell. I know it's crazy. It's crazy, but hear me out. Uh, they have been uh, without uh, Mark Marquise Chris. I guess Clayball is back in the mix, uh, but I do like him in these pace up spots. Uh, and if we move, if we lose DFS and Clayball has to play more four, uh, Dwight Powell could play closer to thirty minutes than twenty minutes, and in a pace up spot. Could be more peripheral to get. I think he would have been closer to 30 minutes in that Utah game, but he was in foul trouble. He fouled out against Sacramento, got 28 minutes in that one, and that last game beat a complete utter blowout. 
Uh, so we're looking for some some sneaky value. Maybe it's more of a DraftKings play because we, we, we don't usually want to yeah. surrender a center spot wholly. Uh, but I, I definitely uh, would keep an eye on him if we lose DFS in this one and Claybaugh has to start at the four. Uh, I think there could be some uh, extended run for Powell in the front court. And historically, I've, I've liked him in some of the uh, pace up um, matchups. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on Jalen Green. The kid's looking like he's evolving. And I don't know what he did in the All Star break, but it worked. Something, yeah, something triggered uh, something there. I mean, it's like a different guy, but uh, I gotta love it. Very good, very sharp. Okay, let's go to this next eight o'clock game. We're getting there, man. We only have four games remaining, five games. Now we're still a long ways away. Never mind. Knicks eight o'clock against the Grizzlies. Uh, this this also an interesting game. Not exactly, uh, you know, a target game for DFS, but we're gonna look at it. We've got uh, the Knicks with Obi Toppin questionable. Grimes, Noel, and Rose out. Uh, actually, the a sh- uh, change in uh, Dylan Brooks is not just out. He's at least unlikely to play. So that yeah. means he's getting closer. He's probably not going to play, but, you know, he's getting closer. So that's that's one big thing that can affect the Grizz. T- the tough one with this one, though, is, you know, you've got – uh, pace issue with the Knicks at 25. Uh, yes, Memphis is playing fast at fourth, but it's hard to get a real good pace going against the Knicks. And you got two good defenses. The Knicks, as bad as they are, 10 games below 500 or 11th in the league. Defensively, we know the Grizz have turned it on. You know, about a month into the season, have been in the top 10 all year. Uh, they're sitting at seventh. So, yeah, this this game is very interesting to me. Because I, you know, I think you definitely can look at some Grizz players, but you know, my question to you would be, how much does that grinding sort of Knicks style of ball affect wanting to pay up for a John Morant or even go mid-level, you know, with a Desmond Bain or Stephen Adams? Does does that deter you, or are you still looking at the Grizz? I mean, I, in in uh, mass century, never not going to have some John Morant at home. Uh, but, yeah, losing some implied possessions because of the Knicks being as slow as they are certainly is going to alter the projection a bit. And with Luka Doncic uh, being uh, what he MF, you know, on uh, on FanDuel, Luka's 10-7 and Jaws 10-1, that's a $600 stone. So Doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'll be able to go home and get Luka and, and more implied uh, matchup for a spread that's kind of similar, just a couple points. So, uh, and the one we want, I'm always going to land Luca over Jaw here. It just makes too much sense metrically. Um, the Knicks have been playing a little bit better. Uh, they're passing the eye test. RJ Barrett, Julius Randle kind of taking over, playing more minutes, especially RJ Barrett hitting that second gear as they moved on from Kemba Walker. Walker, Walker with the free Walker. Um, Walker. <laughs> Michael Walker. Michael Walker. You got baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Um, waka waka waka. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if the Knicks do uh keep this one close. So, we just mentioned what the Knicks were able to do to you know top two defense in the, in the Dallas Mavericks, right? So, but maybe they maybe they are playing spoiler on this exhausting road trip. Right? It feels like they haven't been in the garden in quite some time. Uh, right. and you know, even in you know, back against the wall spots, um. They, they've been getting it done. They're out here putting uh, big big uh, numbers up there, competing. Uh, they haven't really been on 
a big wrong side of a blow in quite some time. They're still the Knicks. They still like to get 20-point leads early and blow it, but you know, it's good to see it against the Mavericks. They didn't. Um, so I, I do think uh, on FanDuel, 8600 on Julius Randle and, and R.J. Barrett being there uh, as well, if I can get away with less than 10% equity in those two um, for 100, 150 lineups, I'll get it. Uh, but past that, I'm not going to run too much on the Knicks side. On the Grizzly side, like I said, John Morant, uh, it's going to lead the team in usage as long as we're going to continue to get uh, more games without Dylan Brooks. Even with Dylan Brooks, I expect them to still have a 25-30% usage rate game to game. He's going to be the guy that I like to target the most. Point guards against the Knicks have been my favorite spot. Um, yeah. What it is interesting uh, here, and you know, I traded the case against John Morant uh, earlier just by pace total and Luka being a couple hundred more. John Morant is also going to get a lot of his points in the paint. He likes to run to the rack. And the Knicks don't really surrender much in, in the paint. They were actually yeah. one of the teams that restrict points in the paint. So uh, if John Morant can't parlay uh, th- those trips to uh, the, the paint into fouls, uh, this, this is going to be a hard matchup to get shots over uh, the elongated hands of a Mitchell Robinson uh, and, and a Julius Randle. Knicks allow the third fewest points in the paint in the league behind Miami and Boston. So uh, just incredible company. And uh, – uh, unless, you know, like I said, John Rack can turn some of that into free throws, which, you know, for a guy who leads the league in guard points or, or shot attempts in the paint, his free throws are just kind of okay here and there, 8, 10 uh, a game. So I, I think it's easy uh, to justify Luca over John Moran for 600 more on the 10-game slate. There's just going to be enough salary savings to, to, uh, to accomplish that. So generally, I think I'm going to be kind of low in this game. Uh, just based on prices, pace, and, and everything in between. Um, but I, I, I think it is worth watching the Knicks uh, as they close out this uh, road trip and see if R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle can uh, make another statement game against teams where it's, it doesn't matter because it's you know Western Conference, but it is uh, feathers in the cap being able to go out there and, and take the, a game against the Mavs, uh, and, and if they can come get one against the Grizzlies, that's – that's easier said than done. I don't know that many people that can beat the Mavs and Grizzlies in back-to-back games. Yeah, I, you know, this this game to me, I mean, first of all, you read my notes on John Morant. That was my point exactly is, you know, he's still wheels and deals in the paint, you know, more than anybody in the league. And the Knicks are stingy down there, you know, with, with Mitch Robb blocking everything, Julius Randle, even a Taj Gibson off the bench still as a, as a force in the paint. Uh, and doesn't let stuff up easily. So I just, I don't, I don't see, how, you know, it's hard for me to justify the same price basically for jaw that Luca has with playing the worst defense and fastest pace in the league. So it just, you know, I don't see how you can really play Luca and jaw. I mean, you really scrap and at that point. So uh, I just don't feel comfortable in this game. It, it, it really, you know, the Knicks, I don't know if they can put two games in a row together like that. Uh, and they did grind the, the Mavs down to a halt pretty much in that last game. I think they had 77 was their final total. Yeah. So, yeah, that's scary. Uh, and and I don't know if I want to pay up that much for, for R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. They really have become a two-man show there, which does, you know, is nice. You know, there was a lot of more shots being dispersed amongst the team uh, in the beginning of the year, but now it's pretty much just Randall and Barrett, but they're expensive and the Grizz are tough defensively at home. They do pay it, play at a fast pace though. So, 
you know, I, I could see going with one of the two, Randall or Barrett, but those are the only two guys I'd consider, and, I, and the price just isn't that great to me. After Jaw and, you know, that price, again, being a little much when you compare it with Luca, uh, you know, where do you go from there? Desmond Bain at 6'6", Jackson at 6'5", if you trust him. Not, I'm just not thrilled with this game, man. I think you, like I say, when you have 20 teams going, uh, you know, identifying some games to pass on ends up mm. being massive. To, you know, I think that that's a key. Uh, and this is just one of those games that I just don't think fits my build. Yeah, I, I think uh, if we are, if we're gonna be light on, on John Morant in terms of uh, going for uh, uh, point, you know, shots, you know, points in the paint. I know um, Jaron Jackson leads the league in blocks per 36 this season, but fifth on that list is Mitchell Robinson. And yeah. uh, the, the the Grizzlies actually are tied for most blocks per game allowed. So on DraftKings, Mitchell Robinson being under 5K, you, know, you might have a, a true path to success for 30-plus fantasy points, uh, which might be one of those two, three, four block games. And we've seen him throw block parties – uh, assuming he's over this illness, uh, but he's offered 30-plus fantasy points in three straight games outside of that illness game where he offered two minutes and was uh, kicked out of the game. For the Crushed crisis. people uh, in that but, game, man. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, goldfish memory might be a little bit lucrative here. Uh, but, yeah, under 5K for Mitch Robinson could net you over 30 fantasy points on, on draft teams if you want to go that way. If you want to get to one of those elusive John Moran, Luca lineups. Well, you'll have some people, I think, pivot you know try to get off chalky luca and go to jaw that and i get it and mitch rob i mean i like him too but he is so hard to trust you know he really is but you're right he's played better you know uh, noel's been out so you know he's getting decent minutes uh but we'll see adams may beat him up a little bit and get him in foul trouble i don't know but gpp i could see it i like the point i think it's sharp all right, man, we're to the final 8 o'clock game. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers-Miami Heat. This is the game I'm going to watch, Gun. I like these two teams. They are fun to watch. Uh, good teams. It is the first night of a back-to-back for both of them, so that's a little interesting. Um, but in this game, the spread is uh, where are we at. Miami, 5.5, but the total's only 209.5, so... We have a, a dud uh, total here, big time, but that's because these teams are so tremendous defensively. Um, the news here is big. You know, we know Jared Allen's out with that broken finger for an extended period of time. Karis LeVert's still out, though. That's the, the part that surprises me, uh, he, that he's just has not got the minutes. Then we need, like, it seems that this is becoming a pattern. We need to know if Jimmy Butler's playing. He's questionable again. So that is important news. And really his backup, Caleb Martin, is questionable as well. Uh, Markeith Moore is still out forever since uh, the Joker snapped his spine in a few spots. But uh, interesting game here. I guess the bottom line is, you know, as as good as these teams are, you've got the 26th and 29th pace and the fourth and fifth best defense. That stings if you're a DFS player. But you have a bunch of stars here. That's where I, I'm interested to get your opinion. I mean, if Butler plays, obviously, you know, if he doesn't, all of a sudden 
You know, the Lowry's and, Va- and Bams look better. Garland's been on an amazing tear. Mobley now has center all to himself without Allen there. So you can make cases for guys here, but I'm going to repeat those numbers again. 26th and 29th in pace, 4th and 5th in defense. Two teams positioning themselves for the playoffs. Dude, what are you going to do here? Yeah, it's, it's we're going to have fun with sample sizes. Uh, since the All-Star break, Darius Garland has averaged over 1.4 fantasy points per minute on FanDuel, about 1.4 on DraftKings, with a 50% assist rate. It's just nuts. Oof. He's putting up you know, Stockton, Chris Paul numbers right now. Yep. Um, he had a 19 at this game in there. Yeah, uh, 13, 10, 19 his last three games. Uh, so I, I like him for a high floor because of assists, because of his involvement, and because of his expected minutes without uh, Karis Revert uh, for, for the time being. Uh, so I do, I do think he's going to be somebody I get to uh, in, in big field tournaments. But at the same time, I do want to put a little bit of respect on uh, some of the uh, some of the games and the game flows he's been a part of, uh, namely that that, uh, that Pacers game. They dropped 127 points. So yeah. Today against the, the Heat, they're implied for 102. So that's 25 less points. That's like a quarter of basketball less uh, implied in, in expected points. Uh, and yeah. then uh, the game prior uh, against um, uh, Philadelphia, he played all of the minutes, 43 of them. Uh, I don't think he gets to 43 as long as Rajon Rondo is kind of back in the saddle. Uh, and right. Rondo uh, played you know, 10 minutes that last game, so yeah. enough to keep him away from 43. So I, I do have enough pushback because it is Miami uh, that I, I'm, I'm willing not to go all that crazy, but at the same time, 8,400 on FanDuel, I could settle for 40-plus uh, fantasy points. And I think yeah. uh, you know that's probably a realistic range of outcomes for him. The 9K DK price point, now we're starting to talk and meditate on it. I do think Jimmy Butler's status will, uh, you know, plus or minus my interest in the Cavs. The Heat have kind of a quasi-superstar team in the in the shadows here with uh, Victor Oladipo back. Jimmy Butler's there, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Tyler, Tyler Hero's been – uh, kind of kick it into a, a, a another gear lately. Then PJ yeah. Tucker can focus on being PJ Tucker. So um, I don't think it's a, you know a super exploitable matchup. Uh, so I, I would say if Butler were to be out, I do like the Cavs' chances to uh, compete a little bit longer, a little bit stronger. But uh, at best, it's a slow-paced game. Uh, it's going to come down to can both offenses stay efficient. Uh, and I have a little bit more pessimism on the Cavs side. And then with Evan Mobley, yeah, Jared Allen is back. It, uh, but the, the the Miami Heat have allowed the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing centers, and that directly yeah. correlates with what we just talked about in the last game. Miami also allows the fewest points in the paint in the league. So at best, it's a bad matchup for Evan Mobley uh, playing center if we're trying to capitalize on his offense. So uh, it doesn't feel like an upside uh, ceiling game, uh, especially yeah. in contrast to the Pacers game. There might be a lot of people overvaluing the results of the Pacers game, who have been just a very bad defense since Terrible. their trade. Um, so I, 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 you know, if, if that picks up too much steam, I'm gonna stay on the other side. Uh, if it does, um, if it stays lukewarm, yeah, I'm gonna have my my pieces here and there. Uh, uh, Kevin Love might pick up some uh, ownership for uh, uh, for, for this game. He's at, he's at 5900 on Fanduel, 6300 yeah. on DK. Very very risky click because we never quite know. What we would expect from minute wise. Last game, we actually saw Laurie Markinen start at the four. They threw yeah. Dean Wade at the three. Some people thought it might be Jetty Osmond. Um, if we 
build on the fact that the, the heat allowed the fewest points in a paint uh, that, that uh, leads us to researching what do they allow from downtown? Well, they become a funnel defense. The Heat have allowed a top five amount of points uh, per game via the three ball. And Kevin Love yeah. can be a sharp shooter for them if they need it. So I do think in big field tournaments, you might catch me out here playing some Kevin Love, hoping it's one of those 10-plus three-point attempt games uh, against this Miami team as a catalyst, catalyst to stay close. And because Garland has a 50% assist rate, it's going to be positively correlated with everyone. So I probably can still get up to two calves, but just – uh, as a you know overhead, we feel like you got a glass ceiling based on the total, based on the, uh, the the paces and whatnot. If Butler plays, I think the Heat are going to be kind of reminiscent to the, the the big three Warriors with KD, Clay, and, and Steph Curry. You just don't know who's going to pop game to game with uh, right. Butler out of bio and then the Hero off the bench. Obviously, Depot is going to be limited for a while, but the, there's a wider range of outcomes in terms of who offers the most here until prices start to normalize if butler doesn't play uh for another game i think kyle lowry under 7k on both sides something to keep in mind is that his assist rate uh likely to to rise a little bit here going to be a little bit more involved and also kyle lowry uh and other members of this team uh can, can uh pickpocket we got uh jimmy butler averages 1.8 steals per game lowry 1.2 steals per game bam Adebayo 1.5 steals per game yep. uh, darius garland will turn the ball over and the Cavs uh, turned the ball over, I believe, the second most in basketball behind the Rockets. Yeah. So let that sing it. Rockets being fast-paced, sloppy, bunch of rookies. Here come the yeah. Cavs with a bottom five pace, and they're still turning the ball over they quite a bit. Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, it's kind of like uh, Brett Farr, right? You throw a lot of touchdowns. You throw a lot of interceptions. That's yeah. kind of uh, what, what's happening here with, with Darius Garland. If you're going to get 19 assists, you know, it means you're passing the ball a lot. There's going to be some turnovers to boot, four, seven, five, seven in the last couple of games. Um, but it, in a, a site like FanDuel or Price Space, when those turnovers become plus threes on the other end, especially for a team like the Miami Heat that will get steals, <laughs> um, it could be an upside spot uh, within um, uh, in front of our face in what's generally a, a slow pace and low total uh, spot yeah. here. So I want to get to some heat. It would be a whole lot simpler if Jimmy Butler sat this one again. But I do believe he was listed as out with a sinus congestion. So I, I would kind of be surprised if that held him out two games in a row with like four or five days to recover. He's a strange dude, though. You never know <laughs> with him. That's for sure. I did, I did catch it as a young buck going to a Brett Favre reference. Man, that's for, for our super young uh, listeners – Brett Favre used to be the quarterback for the Packers before Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so there you go, man. I like it. I like it. The young buck with the Brett Favre call. Um, yeah, you know, this game, I, I'll tell you, man, I like I said, I want to watch it because I love basketball. I like. I think these two teams are really strong teams, but there's a lot of questionable uh, situations here. I mean, it's going to be a playoff-type atmosphere the D's will tighten up even a, a little bit tougher. I think Butler plays too. I've got him listed in as of right now. I know they're on the first night of a back-to-back. Maybe he sits the you know tomorrow. So I, I just I, I you know the guy that I'm I'm really interested in a little bit here is Bam. Bam's played phenomenal the last week or two, couple of weeks really, and I think you know losing Jared Allen's a bigger deal than people are, are talking about. I know he's not the flashiest guy, but he is a defensive minded dude. And he allows Mobley, you know, 
with his athleticism and size to really, you know, create some difficulty defensively as well. And, you know, having Allen out of there changes the whole concept of everything, especially when they bring love in because he can't defend you or I anymore. He can't move. So, uh, you know, I think Cleveland takes a little bit of a step back defensively. And you also can attack Darius Garland. He is the weak link defensively uh, on that unit. So, you know, if Butler sits, I like Tyler Hero in this game. If Butler plays, I think Butler's very playable at a fair price on FanDuel. He's a little expensive but uh, on DraftKings, but I think you got to consider him. And if not, then Bam is in play. So as much as this game is a little bit of a, a step back and concern, I do think paying up for one of the Heat guys at home, it is a real statement game. I think it's a game where, you know, they want to protect their position uh, at number one. And I think uh, a Bam or Butler or even Hero, one of those guys, I don't think I have the courage to go two of those guys uh, unless Butler sits. It wouldn't be a bad, you know, uh, Hero out of bio uh, duo if Butler does sit. So, I have some interest there. Not a lot of interest on the Cleveland side because, you know, they're priced right. Markinen's been decent. You know, again, love, you, could, you like you said, could be sneaky off the bench, Mobley, but none of them are like dead cheap. Uh, you have to pay a few bucks for them. And Garland's pretty expensive, and they'll certainly be focusing their defense on Garland for sure. Uh, you know, there's no question about it, but – Hey, he, Garland's been somewhat unguardable lately, but he, uh, Miami's certainly going to try to slow him down. So a really good game, a fun game, and I'll have some some heat exposure probably in this one. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair approach. All right, we have three games left, Gun. I know we're going long here, but hey, you know what? You got two guys here that like to talk the game. They like to break it down for you, so hope, hopefully our listeners are getting things done, things done when they're listening to us, getting – ready for this slate. But I do want to say real quickly, uh, if you're looking for us on Twitter, you can catch us all at DFS Coach Talk. I am at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. Where can they find you on Twitter, Gun? Twitter.com slash Gundacker. There you go. Simple enough. And on YouTube? YouTube.com slash Gundacker. Yeah, I, I uh... did a pretty unique name, man. <laughs> I'm able to get it uh, pretty pretty easily with all these uh, mediums out there. That is awesome. And uh, we're DFS Coach Talk on YouTube. Obviously, check us both out. We've got uh, we're posting both posting pods and live streams every day. So uh, we would love to have you uh, check us out. Uh, I think the combination of the way we both break down games gives you a, a two good looks at, at really getting that initial build in for sure. And then if you want to join us again, Friday's our best day to join the coach talk family, go to dfscoachtalk.com and grab that three day for 10 bucks. Check us out over the weekend with all these awesome sports going. All right, here we go, buddy. Three games left an eight 30 and nine and a 10 30 all spread out to finish the slate up. The first one is 8.30, Utah Jazz, San Antonio Spurs. Utah is uh, is going to be uh, without Bogdanovich, who's been firing the ball pretty well recently, but he's out for the Spurs. 
guy that hasn't played very much. Kaycock is uh, probable, but uh, Kata, Bates, Jop, and Josh Primo uh, don't look like they're going to go. They are doubtful, and Primo's been looking better. Romeo Langford still hasn't made his debut. So a lot of these uh, regular rotations are in for both teams. It is also uh, the first night of a back-to-back for both of these squads. So that is something that we have to be aware of, especially with Pop in the mix. You never know what he's going to do. Utah's 19th in pace, San Antonio 6th. Utah 9th defensively, San Antonio 19th. So sort of one of those games like I think it's going to get lost in the shuffle because it just sounds like a boring, non-interesting game. Uh, you know, you've got Utah favored by seven, but the, the, this, you know, total's decent. It's 230 and a half. You can't really shake a stick at that. And then you've got your, your another superstar point guard. And another option, if you don't go with Luca or Jaw, it's DeJounte Murray who seems to be the darling of DFS. So I don't even know where to start with this game. Uh, Like I say, it just, it seems like the forgotten game in the mix, but uh, you know, we may be able to pluck out a couple of good plays here. Does anybody stand out to you? Yeah. So, so first I want to talk about a concept that um, I I don't know that the concept itself gets slept on, um, but Mm -hmm. the jazz, when you, when you just isolate metrics overall, they, they look like a slow pace, good defense, great offense. Um, and they don't get that that Denver treatment where people or Denver plays better because of the altitude and, you know, the home road True. splits for Denver is something I've been, you know, watching ever since I started. Utah, kind of the same thing, man. People sleep oh, yeah. on U- Utah's altitude. You know, they're, they're, uh, they can be up to 6K, uh, uh, in the air as well. And, and I think, uh, in, in, maybe correlated to this is Utah's home numbers tend to look better than their road numbers. Uh, this season, uh, the Utah Jazz have a defensive efficiency of 112.5 on the road versus 109.2 at home. And then wow. uh, the net rating, uh, they have a 9.6 net rating at home, but just a 3.6 on the road. You just look at the last couple of games, you can kind of sense it. Now, it's not fair that they just played – the Blazers. It's not a real team that doesn't no. exist. This is just not a real team. But let's say the Pelicans a couple of games ago. Did you have the Pelicans smoking them by 30? Oh, they bleed red on the road. The, the Houston Rockets, a team able to you know take them 12 rounds. So I just want to say, like, I, I think the, the, the Utah Jazz, when they go on the road, people tend to avoid them just because the stats and maybe the projection models don't really give them a lack of respect that maybe they should be having um you know with that with that with the uh without the home court advantage and then you mentioned Bojan Bogdanovich being out he's certainly somebody that could be 20 real points for them a game that they have to re- find a way to replace is gonna be Daniel House Rudy Gay somebody like that so right. I I kind of like the thought of perhaps a lower owned DeJounte Murray just because of the sticker value of the uh, Utah Jazz and you know getting to that price range on DeJounte Murray that is literally Luka Doncic on FanDuel, right? right? Pretty much the same price. And well, I mean, yeah. on, on DK, I think a lot of people just find a way to turn that money into a down payment on Luka Doncic. So I do think it's very uh, potentially a very lucrative thought to get those guys in tournaments uh, just because they'll get discounted ownership when we have seen DeJounte drop 60, 70 all year long 
all, all yeah. year strong. So that's kind of the tournament mind in me wanting to uh, justify continuing to play DeJounte Murray uh, and copious amounts of it. And then if we're going to have a way for this game to stay closer in this game to um, uh, put up some real points, the Spurs defense has certainly been very, very uh, exploitable. Donovan Mitchell's found himself all the way down to 8,200 on FanDuel, 8,600 on DK. He was just 9K yeah. a, game, a game or two games ago. So you wouldn't have to stretch your salary that much to get a positively correlated DeJounte versus Donovan Mitchell lineup together. And I don't know that there's really any sample size to uh, go off of Donovan Mitchell without Bojan. Bojan's been playing a lot for him. Uh, right. so, so I can't really say, hey, in 300 minutes of this and that, just right. – process of elimination <laughs> i yeah. think donovan mitchell is is likely to, to benefit from no bojan bogdanovich uh and uh trying to um maybe have one of those 30 plus real point games so i i kind of like this spot for tournaments uh quite a bit because I, I think this could surprise some people and, and maybe put up some points and uh, vegas has kind of caught up to the spurs game I feel like every time i'm looking at a spurs uh slate they they're sitting on a 230 total um right. so yeah I, I like this game quite a bit um, and we're right there at 230, so it's very, very attackable. And seven and a half might be, uh, it's probably appropriate, but it might be on the generous side considering the Jazz's romantics as of late. Yeah, no, great points. And I agree with you totally on the Jazz. I've I've said that for a long time. And a lot of times, on top of that, again, you'll see teams go on that West Coast, somewhat West Coast. Uh, Spin and they'll play Utah and Denver in the same, oh. uh, you know, a series of, of games on the road and have to deal with both altitudes. So, you know, you're you're right. Those those stats get uh, jilted and, and a little bit off. So I like that point. I think Donovan Mitchell's in a great spot. I think his price is right. I think he's, you know, I think he'll do well against the Spurs. The Spurs have played way faster the second half than they did the first half. There, I don't know what. Uh, you know, uh, Pop's got him, you know, let's run and gun here, which is super unusual for Pop, but he's got him moving. So I think Mitchell, you know, is the guy on the Utah side that I'm interested in, if I can fit his salary in. Uh, Daniel House, you know, it's tempting. He's 3K dead men. He makes, you know, gets you to that second payup guy. Super risky, uh, you know, with Clarkson and, and such and ter- and Trent Force and stuff off the bench. But I think House gets minutes. I've got him in the upper 20s. Um, is, am I crazy to think I can use Daniel House in a cash game? I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I, I would feel better once we uh, once we know for sure uh, that, that it's likely going to be House. And I, I would probably assume it would be um, looking at – let's see. Risky. Yeah, I mean it's it's Dan Wiles, but I I think we've seen Dan Wiles kind of surprise us. But uh, in that last game, uh, in that uh, I guess he can game, score buckets. Yeah, we know Dan that House was the first off the bench for Bojan in the first quarter. So yeah, I guess it's right. next man up for Daniel House. I would guess there's still a, a range of outcome for like Rudy Gay to get extended minutes, maybe a little revenge uh, on him. But yeah, I guess it would be House. So if you got a 25 plus minute as a projection for Daniel House, I certainly think there's crazier things. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they picked up NEW from that Pelicans trade. They only right. used them in the complete and utter blowout there for uh, uh, for the end of that Blazers game. Uh, but yeah. Snyder's had a couple days to kind of think about what he wants to do here with this rotation without Bojan. And 
sounds like they're going to have to um, play without Bojan for uh, a, a little bit. He's got a bruised right leg, so he might miss uh, uh, a couple games. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I, I'm going to certainly be looking for all the coach speak and beat writer do as I can, but man, it just, it makes sense. House is a vet. He knows how to score the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and it gets me that Avenue. If he gets 28 minutes, like I haven't projected for, I'll take that at three K cause I can get that second study in. But again, you know, there's risk involved. And then, you know, Mitchell, like I say, if I could get to him price wise, I will. I don't know. I mean, I, I love DeJounte Murray. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's just this late, man, with the point guards and the pricing. And I, I just don't know if I can get there. And I always get just a smidgen nervous with Pop when he's on either side of a back-to-back that he sits somebody the extra three or four minutes, which means a lot. You know, that can really sting. So, I don't know. Not interested in any of the other Spurs, though. I know that the Jazz have not been great defensively, but you take those eight guys, I'm not even going to waste your time mentioning all of them. They're just so much disbursement of usage and shots. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And, uh, you know, Pirtle versus Gobert, basically, Spider-Man versus Spider-Man, big, slow dudes that are going to slow each other down. So, uh, you know, for me, it's all about Mitchell, maybe House, and then probably going to move on down the road. I might get to a little bit of Gobert under AK. The uh, the Spurs um, the Spurs allow the fifth or sixth most blocks per game, uh, and they yeah. also allow the third most points in the paint per game. Now Gobert is not a guy that typically takes more than five to eight shots, no. but with Bojan out, you know Bojan could be ten to twenty shots, and they find a path uh, that's working in, uh, in the paint against the Spurs. They might just build on it, and of course, if Gobert has one of those big block games. Uh, certainly not outside of the possibility for him to uh, get to a 50 fantasy point game. We've seen him do that against Houston uh, two games against San Antonio this season. And he's yeah. averaging 29 minutes per game with 43 fantasy points on DraftKings, 43 at 7,400. So it's a great starting point. And if you can squeeze out a little bit more uh, ceiling, I wouldn't mind getting to just a little bit of that. Don't have to get too crazy with it, but I do think the matchup uh, kind of, uh, uh, says that it, it, it's justifiable. And then we yeah. mentioned the, the DeJounte's matchup here. Uh, the, outside of the Brandon Williams disaster that, that happened last time out, uh, it's right. been one of the better last five matchups for point, for point guards. Doncic dropped 76, SGA dropped 64, um, McCollum dropped 39 in 30 minutes, and KPJ dropped 43 in 40 minutes. So it's definitely not uh, outside of their own possibility to uh, – put a big usage guy like DeJounte Murray in this spot and get you a 60 plus the, the, the range of outcomes for him to outscore Luca certainly are low, but they're not zero. <laughs> it's like the, yeah. the odds of you getting killed by a cow are low, but never zero. <laughs> so I, cow, I don't mind I'm afraid of cows. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind uh, some DeJounte. If I, if I open up ownership projections and DeJounte sitting at, at single digits, man, I'm, I'm going to be uh, there for some leverage. I think you're going to have people that are going to really try to pivot off of Luke and go to DeJounte. Cause I mean, he has been solid as hell. You can't go wrong with him in any stretch, you know, Gobert though. I, you know, his price is right. I get that, but I've watched so many years now. They just never, ever go to him and he never shoots anything at all. I mean, it's like they don't, he doesn't even post up. 
just either a lob or he just rebounds. And it's so frustrating when you, you know, you roster him, you just like use the dude, you know, they don't use him. So who knows? You know, he can back into it with a 15, 18 rebound game too. So you never know. All right, Chief, nine o'clock, Toronto Raptors, Phoenix Suns. There's an interesting matchup as well. We've got um, coming into this game, as far as uh, the spread, it is Phoenix only by six, 221 average total. We know that Ananobi and Malachi Flynn, both out for Toronto. For Phoenix, it's Johnson, Cam Johnson, so he's out of there. Uh, Kaminsky, Paul, and Sarge still out for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, coming into this one, first night of a back-to-back for Toronto, Island game for Phoenix, 24th in pace for the Raptors, 9th for the Suns. Uh, defensive uh, rating, Toronto's improved. They're up to 13th, so in the upper half. And we know Phoenix shut down team. They are third. Uh, so a lot of volatility to this game. A lot of high price guys too, which is a bit of a concern. But, uh, you know, certainly there are guys that can break the slate from either side here, whether it's a, a Van Vliet or uh, Devin Booker, certainly at the top of the list. But you don't get anybody on the cheap because these two teams, you know, have been scoring the ball. And uh, games in Phoenix, they, they you know, clamp down a bit. So uh, definitely some volatility here, trying to find some properly priced guys that fit. And uh, there's not just a whole big laundry list of guys here that I'm racing to because I don't want to pay up uh, some of these prices. But is anybody standing out to you? Yeah, I think individually you can just say that Devin Booker is a little too cheap on DraftKings. He, he, if he was Eight, 10K nine. today, yeah, if he was 10K, no one would argue with it. It makes a lot of sense for no Chris Paul and then no Cameron Johnson. And Cameron Johnson could be 13 to 20 points off the bench for them as well. And then, of course, yeah. no Chris Paul. Uh, this season uh, – Without Chris Paul on the court, with Devin Booker on the court, Devin Booker's been 1.3 fantasy points per minute uh, with a very elevated usage rate. Cameron Payne being back in the mix or some some of that sample size without like a DeAndre and stuff like that. But generally, we can feel safe in assuming that Devin Booker is going to likely lead the team in usage. And without, um, without Cameron Johnson and really just the way that their minute rotation is, is set, Devin Booker – probably leave the team in minutes outside of maybe McCall Bridges. So I think 8,900 does leave uh, some meat on the bone for a ceiling game out of Devin Booker. Something like yeah. we just saw at Miami where uh, they put the boots to, to uh, Miami. You know, Miami was without uh, Jimmy Butler. So we got to give them a little bit of, of lackluster, but they were without Chris Paul. So it's uh, right. it, it was kind right. of all fair in, in, in love and war. In that game, uh, Devin Booker, didn't play like the final two or three minutes. So that 33 minutes played could have been a 35-36. So I, I do think DraftKings price on Devin Booker can net us a ceiling worth uh, having, and it's probably a little too cheap. On FanDuel, I think they got it right at 10.3K. Um, certainly, you know, a little closer to Luka. Where you're just, I, mean, I think Luka was undershot, but it's, right. it's still more of a thought process to get the 10.3K Devin Booker without double-double bonuses, without three-point bonuses, without uh, with the, the turnover um, tax and stuff like that. So I do think Devin yeah. Booker on DK 
Cameron Payne's worked his way almost to 7K. Really need 40-plus on this slate to, to feel like I'm getting a bargain. And then the same with DeAndre Ayton. I think Ayton could get a 40-plus fantasy point game here and there, uh, but I, I don't feel very confident in that. And I don't know that just a little over 40 isn't probably one of the more ceiling uh, ranges of outcomes today. So I, I think right. Devin Booker is probably the bulk of my exposure to the Suns today. And then the Raptors, without Anunoby, without Malachi Flynn, uh, th- that's a team with very, very uh, tight uh, uh, rotational minutes if games are being competitive. Fred Van Vliet recently returning to – uh, the lineup without a true backup uh, could could sit at 35 minutes and go from there. And then Gary yeah. Trent, Scotty Barnes, Siakam, all guys that I got for big, big minutes. Siakam with a $1,200 uh, reprieve from his Fandle price to his DK price, DK93, Fandle81. So all those guys in the vacuum certainly make sense. Uh, I'll probably cap uh, to no more than like two Raptors. And even then, I, I, I'd probably um, – Probably only want to have a sprinkle of like one one raptor here, one raptor there, because it does seem likely that somebody in this game that plays 37 minutes is going to uh, make True. a difference in, in a lineup. So uh, I will get to a little bit of it, but you know, no warm and fuzzies here. And I'm also not stunned if the Raptors, way away from home, uh, succumb to the Suns that have been really good without Paul, without Booker. They're just like a really good team, and uh, at home they've been you know that much better. And, Raptors aren't a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, it's Van Vliet could be a super sneaky play gun because, you know, he's been out. His price is, is fair, you know, that low eights. And the bottom line is if he's a go with no backups and with nurse, the way he plays guys, if he gets 36, 37 minutes, he could be fantastic in this game. You know, people forget what a great defender Chris Paul is defensively. He's just an irritant. And not having him in there, you're not going to get that same level of defense from that backcourt, whether it be Payne, Booker, Holiday, Shamit. None of those guys can defend anywhere near what Chris Paul does. So I'd love to slide Van Vliet in there real sneaky at low ownership. I think he could be really dangerous. The other Raptors are just priced a little too high for me. Trent at 6'6", six, six, Barnes 7'5", Pascal, Siakam at 9'3", just a little bit high. Yes, they'll all get big minutes, but it's in Phoenix. Phoenix is great defensively, so not really looking to go that direction. I will say, you know, I'm not on Booker in this game. I Scotty Barnes has been defending uh, shooting guards at small forwards like a maniac. He is playing the best player from the other team. He is going to be a future first-team all-NBA defensive player. He's a rookie, and he's taken on these guys. So his length, I think, can really bother Booker. Yes, he's getting, Booker will get some extra shots, you know, especially uh, with Cam out and, and some different guys. So I get that, but I think that at that price, I'm going to go elsewhere just because I really do respect Barnes' defense in Toronto – has been defending better uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, for Phoenix, you know, it's it's tough because I don't really – that price on Payne is ridiculous to me. I think it's jumped up so quickly. And then, you know, Mikhail Bridges can get you there, but he's so inconsistent, uh, you know, with big games and just average games. So uh, Bridges is a consideration. You can go cheaper even with Crowder has the potential. Those shots have to go somewhere. 
and maybe some of them fall to uh, Bridges or Crowder uh, in that spot. Haven't had confidence in Aiden lately just because it seems like they just don't extend him. They have such an adept backup in JaVel McGee and even a third backup in Bismack Biombo that they just they don't push him. I think they they have a huge lead. They know that he's, you know, a big lumbering dude. Keep him fresh. I like the, the strategy for Monty Williams. He doesn't push Aiton hard. And, you know, it's great for them, but terrible for DFS guys trying to get that extra punch out of uh, Aiton here. So not really crazy about uh, there either. So a couple of strategic plays here. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk myself more and more into this friend, Fred Van Vliet low-owned sneaky play. Uh, I think he fits here really well. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, I want to have a stronger read on Aiton's involvement. Uh, we've okay. seen some games where they don't get to Biombo uh, and just use McGee. But then the, right. you know, a lot of those games are without Devin Booker last couple games. So not quite sure uh, if Biombo's in just due to foul trouble here and there. But lately, it seems like they're more um, susceptible to Aiton and then only McGee, which also doesn't right. make sense because they gave Biombo that, you know, contract. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I get the I get the pessimism there. But uh, I'm with you on Payne. Payne probably was overcorrected in price due to a couple of slates where everyone was out and he was just doing it all. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard to believe that there's a lot of meat on the bone at that price with Booker back and uh, back in action. Yeah, I agree. All right, man, we're down to the last game, believe it or not. This marathon podcast, marathon preparation. Just listen to this, everybody, and you're going to be set. It's going to be takedown city. Gundacker himself guarantees it. <laughs> last game, buddy, 1030. Late game sweat, late game uh, hammer game, all the different things you can call it. And it's, believe it or not, our lovable Los Angeles Lakers. And I'll tell you, after that game, LeBron was pissed against the Rockets. He stormed off of that court. He was so furious. If you saw the last play, he let Jen Goon shoot an open three. He was like, screw this. And he stayed in that corner and walked off the court as quick as he could. So interesting to see how LeBron's uh, attitude is going to be in this game against this wizard squad. But You've got Washington on on a, a road trip now. They just started on the first night of a back-to-back on a West Coast trip uh, against these Los Angeles Lakers. Um, certainly, you know, the wheels have fallen off plus some for the Lakers, but it is only a four-and-a-half-point favoritism for the Lakers. It is a 228 total, which is very respectable. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. No injuries at all for Washington. So they're the other team now with a clean slate for the Lakers. Uh, you're not going to believe it, but would you believe LeBron James is listed as questionable? Have you seen that th- yet this season? Yeah. Uh, once or twice. Taylor uh, THT also questionable. And then we've got Malik Monk probable. And we've got AD and none out for 9 million years. They have been out. So same, same old, same old uh, with, with that rotation. You know, we know Russ stepped up and had a decent game, but man, I'll tell you what a train wreck Lakers are. Really, the Wizards are a train wreck too. Uh, my buddy Chris Stapps getting his toes in there. I don't know, man. Would I want to have some exposure here? 
I'm trying to find some that are really good plays. I don't like the pricing though. It's just this is a nerve-wracking game to me too. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about Yahoo leaves that first game off that's on a 30-minute island. This game's an hour and a half after the Suns game, which is an hour or 30 minutes after the Spurs game. So yeah. like, if, if uh, Yahoo can leave off the first game, I wouldn't hate some of these other sites leaving off this last game. I wish. <laughs> because West Coast games aren't what they used to be in terms of late-night hammer. Uh, and yeah. not only you know uh, is this a game that's a little bit hard to read pre-flop, uh, it's a game that we likely don't get definitive news on until an hour or so, maybe two yeah. hours into the night. So we can't really yep. make confident uh, clicks that far out. And, you know, one of those decisions is, does LeBron even play? And then, is LeBron playing center? Is Dwight Howard playing center? Porzingis in the lineup? Or is that a lineup they want to put Howard size out there? So um, we don't quite truly know what Frank Vogel is going to do. And then there's been a lot of clouds over Russell Westbrook's involvement going forward. And there's been some you know, yeah. speculation that they could even relegate him to the bench. So it's a really, really unfun, awkward spot uh, to, to navigate. I think my approach on the 10 game slate, so I'm probably just going to throw my hands in the air and uh, don't do anything with this game. I think with LeBron, um, sure, maybe I want to get to a little bit of LeBron just because I haven't projected as a chance of being a top fantasy scorer on the slate. But I got Luca right. right there, similar. Uh, I got Luca like half a point above him right now. Uh, and then uh, uh, LeBron's, I think his his value for me is a little bit higher if he starts at the five. And, you know, Przingis couldn't require um, some some Howard looks to, to crank this game off, especially if we get, you know, some of those cues into O's, uh, like a Monk, like a, a, a TAC, somebody like that. So it's a really, really annoying game. Uh, on the Wizards, on the Wizards side, like Porzingis is, it's got a like a, you think about it at six K on Fanduel because the Lakers have been that bad, but at seventy three on DK, you probably just step away from the vehicle. And then Kyle Kuzma is he worth all of nine K with Porzingis in there? Um, I, I don't think that's a strong yes or no, but so far this season, in thirty minutes together, um, the 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 result has been so uh, unbelievable. That we just can't go off it. He's averaging over two fantasy points per minute with presenting yeah. in 30 minutes. That's highly unsustainable. So yeah. I, I don't quite know what to do with this game. And I think that the easy solution for me is I'm probably gonna do nothing with this game and hope that uh you know late night hammers uh gonna take the night off in terms of needing to be optimal. But uh I probably get a few LeBrons that, that squeak through on on DraftKings. We can play with that util and and a late swap into maybe a DeJounte Murray or something like that. Uh, it's probably going to involve some 2v2s because of the price points. But uh, generally, I think I think if it locked right now and I had none of this game, I don't think I'm missing out on much pre-flop. Yeah, you know, I tell you, I, I want to feel that way. And I watched LeBron, and as frustrated as he was, et cetera, in that game, he was still dominant, man. I, I just – I can't believe at his age – that he's he is that dominating. I mean, there were times when he took the ball to the bucket, it looked like a guy going against a JV team. I mean, it was like, is this really still happening? I mean, I saw LeBron play through the years. I saw him as an AAU player at six in sixth grade in Western PA when he was in 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 Ohio, and just he's always looked so much better than everybody else and. I just seeing him in person last night, I thought, I cannot believe this man for this many years has played at this level. So 
I say all that to say this, if he starts at the five and Porzingis starts at the five for Washington, he, he will eat Porzingis for lunch, dinner, and a late night snack. So I am really tempted here, Gunn. I know it's massively risky because number one, if he's a late scratch, you're screwed because it's by far the late game. But can you imagine, though, if, if we can sit on him here, have him in the holster, everybody else is going to be afraid for the reasons we're saying, and he, he could throw 60-70 on the board against this, this depleted Wizards team. I mean, they've given up defensively. I mean, when they took Gafford out of the lineup and decided, okay, we're going to score, I mean, with the front line of Kispert, Kuzma, and Porzingis, they can't guard anybody in there. And uh, – LeBron couldn't get a three to drop. You know, he, he has games where he's off. But if those start falling, uh, I'm tempted to, to dial up LeBron as my second pay-up guy. And if I have the, the courage to buy down to, like, somewhere on the board, I've mentioned, you know, some of these uh, super cheap guys, Daniel Houses and stuff, to, to gamble for a LeBron – could be a slate breaker. I'm tempted, man. I'm thinking about it. And, you know, I, I he would be the only Laker that I'd go to. But I, it could be fairly sharp, you think? Yeah. Uh, like I said, in my, in my first round projections, I have LeBron and Luka. And then there's everyone else 10 points later. So just standard deviation being what it is, if, if Luka was minus five, LeBron was plus five, or if Luka's game blew out and LeBron's did right. not, um, yeah, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And then, uh, you know, LeBron, LeBron's moved to power forward center eligible on, uh, on right. late. Luckily, they didn't make him center only like they did that one day. And he didn't really it, it makes no sense, <laughs> but I'd love but, to start yeah. with Luke and LeBron and build from there. I mean, I'd feel pretty darn because I have them projected as one, two, two, but not one, two, two. You know what I'm saying? One, yeah. two, also. <laughs> uh-huh. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking that way. But anyway, to finish my thoughts there, I mean, that's really the Laker that, that I would look at, of course. I, I'm not interested in, in anyone else there for multiple reasons, so I won't waste our time there. But, you know, Porzingis is still going to be on some kind of minutes restriction, I'm, oh. I'm sure. Like 25 to 26, maybe. I don't know. But I, I don't see going there, although he's so cheap that you just – he can put up those numbers quickly, but uh, probably not going to risk that on a, on a limit. And then I guess if you do, if I do roster LeBron and all hell breaks loose and he doesn't play, I guess you can find a way to pivot to Kuzma and make something work, you know, as a backup plan. And Kuz has played, played fine. Uh, you know, and, and it's in LA, you know, he always wants to stick it to the Lakers, the revenge narrative. You know, they gave up on him. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's my out for talking myself into risking and going with LeBron because Kuzma could be a backup play. Uh, that's yeah. probably the way I'd look at it. That's the uh, that's the NBA TV game, so maybe that means a little bit more. It's not quite ESPN or TNT or anything like that, but, uh, um, yeah, maybe that means a little bit more to LeBron. Uh, and past all that, the sense of urgency to win is, is pretty high. I think they're just going to be a playing team just because it's hard to be worse than they are and yeah. not be, I don't know, <laughs> the, the next team up. Uh, but, yes, you, the, the Lakers' sense of urgency to, to figure this thing out is 
never going to be higher than it is the next game, and then the next game, and then the next game when they continue to uh, to, to lose. And if, uh, you know, uh, losing against the, the Rockets in that fashion uh, is is going to be uh, a, a bad taste in your mouth, and uh, it might uh, it might require some drastic instant uh, action. And then, of course, uh, you, you got the Westbrook narrative where after that last home game, uh, he publicly spoke about how the home crowd in LA has not Terrible. been. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, days of our lives going on here. Not quite the Ben Simmons Philly esque situation, but uh, uh, apparently it's been pretty nasty. So, uh, this is this is a game that could get really weird from a narrative perspective if uh, uh, if the Lakers come out flat. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. It's it's an interesting one. I mean. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it rolls out. I think we'll, we would get LeBron pretty low ownership for LeBron under these circumstances. So we'll see how that rolls, my man. But that is it. We have got it. All 10 games under our belt. We're ready for this huge slate Friday. Really appreciate you joining me, man. This is always fun. Gives me a, a good perspective, sets the table for the entire day. So Anything you want to mention or plug or, or get out there? Where can they find you? What would you like to do from there? Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, today at 2 p.m. Eastern, I'll be live on my channel. And then an hour before lock, I'll be on the Osmo channel on live before cool. lock. And then are we doing something tomorrow, Coach? No, you usually come on on Saturdays. I haven't uh, yeah, I'll be on your, your deals uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, so tomorrow we're done. Because we have a good Saturday slate, seven games. Yeah, seven games, some uh, fun games on that. So tomorrow, yeah, they go hang out with us live and uh, interact with chat. So, yeah, come on over. Sounds fun, man. We'll do it. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Hopefully this gets you some takedowns. Let us know. Shoot us some questions, comments. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. So really appreciate it. Gun, great as always. I'll be with you uh, tomorrow on your live stream, like you said, and uh, we'll just try to get a hot streak going this weekend. Just try to clean it out. Let's get it done. Lockwasher City for the wins. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great one. We'll be back with you tomorrow when we look to crush it in NBA DFS. <laughs>